Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to Shows with Friends. In this installment, we are going to be covering the Netflix original show, Lilyhammer. This show was chosen by Eli. I have never seen this show ever in my life. So before we do anything else, we're going to turn it over to Eli so he can discuss Lilyhammer from Netflix. Yes, Steve. Let us dive into Lilyhammer. And I believe you pointed out this is the OG of Netflix original shows. Yes. That is awesome. It's not even something I knew when I first watched this show. It was one of those that you kind of happen upon and wonder, wow, why didn't I hear about this? This sounds really fun. And what it is, Steve, is a 45-minute action-packed <laughs> fun, fun comedy Starring Stephen Van Zant of E Street Band and later Sopranos fame. Of course, after Sopranos, it's really hard to see Stevie or little Stevie Van Zant, as he was known when he was younger, as anything <laughs> other than a mafiosa character, right? Silvio Dante. I mean, it's, just, it's yeah. not just, you know, the look, but he just seemed to embody that character and that era of legendary mafiosa boss. Wow, it makes me think, Steve, we really, really have aggrandized and, you know, almost turned uh, these infamous mob guys into uh, superstar superheroes. You know, it's funny how <laughs> these, like, awful <laughs> humans sure. ultimately... Uh, have been glorified through American lore and TV so much. Uh, and I don't know what it is, but there is something that's very compelling about uh, a mob story. So Lilyhammer is a real twist on a typical mobster story and sees our main character flee in the witness protection program to Lillehammer. Norway. And that's really where we get right dropped into in this pilot. So before I spoil anything, Steve, <laughs> as your first time diving in, what did you think of the pilot of Lillehammer? I really liked it. Um, it was a lot of fun. And yes, yeah, so very first Netflix original show. So it's important to keep in mind. And kind of slipped under the radar. So you had in 2012, this show came out on the heels of The Sopranos. And I think because it was such a, like you're picking up 
Stephen Van Sant's character in The Sopranos and then just dropping him, you know, in Norway or, or, <laughs> or like it, it, it. I think it was overlooked and it was real quick overshadowed by Orange is the New Black and House of Cards and all these kind of larger shows that rolled out, you know, in the next year of on Netflix. And right. those you think in your mind, you think, oh, those were the first. Those were the first original shows yeah. of Netflix. But in actuality, this was it. And I wonder if there was like just kind of the perfect marriage. Netflix was available at the time to do this because this was from uh, Norway. You know, this these uh, the TV creator and the company that made it was from Europe. And they, you know, and they did this deal with Stephen Van Sant. So they created he's a co-writer on this pilot. So he's obviously, they were like much beloved show, the Sopranos all over the world. There must've been a lot of love and they had the opportunity to make this sort right. of story just as Netflix was trying to get into original content, probably the perfect marriage there and Lilyhammer. And you kind of, the branding for me, I remember seeing it and kind of being like, I don't know if I'm ready to <laughs> watch another Soprano show. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's sort of that's the vibe you get when you see him in that in that role and with the hair and the, and yeah. the mafia thing. And it's the opening, you know, sequences and which you know it's used in the trailer and branding and um, and for our listeners who may not have watched the pilot yet. Uh, interesting because the name of the show is Lilyhammer, and uh -huh. the city, of course, is Lilla Hammer, and that name is uh is pointing to actually something in the show. Though it's funny because it's not really uh, a big part of the show necessarily yet, but it's interesting because uh, Lilyhammer, you know, the Norwegian uh, city, you can't really hear a mobster saying that, but something about seeing. Lily Hammer. <laughs> I can just hear it in right. a mobster voice. Yeah, and it's also a play on his dog who gets murdered in, in the beginning part of this pilot whose name is Lily. So the spelling is actually Lily the dog, Hammer, exactly. and that's the title. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that brought up a really cool archetype. So you're talking about this coming out. This is before John Wick. This is before. Oh, yeah. Um, Very true. What was it? There was another like mobster movie where it was an ensemble piece with Mark, done by Martin McDonough based around someone had killed like Christopher Walken's dog or something. It was a big, yeah, big ensemble piece. I forget the name of that movie. Um, but this this notion that you know this these gang this gangster has a dog, you know, and you've killed you've killed my dog, and right. so I'm gonna. Turn everyone over to the, you know, I'm going to do what I would never have done, which is testify. Right. You went okay. too far. Why do you got to kill yeah. the dog? I know I thought of John Wick uh, in, in that scene as well. And I didn't even realize, right, John Wick is two years later than this. So um, great call. And, you know, as you're talking, Steve, I also realized that this actually does have shades of the early HBO stuff which was sure. overlooked at release. And even The Wire became really popular post the first couple seasons releasing. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. You may have a better idea. I don't know if Sopranos, were people on Sopranos immediately? I know they were watching Current, but first season, maybe people slept on it a little too. But it is very true that 
you know, as HBO moved into original content, yeah. I think wasn't Oz maybe the first? Yeah, I love that we're going here. Oz was the first. Yeah. Oz was the god godfather of all hour long narrative right. TV drama, right? So it was yeah. there was the shows on network television and then Oz. And that changed everything. And if there was no Oz, there would be no Sopranos. So that it was sort of the critical acclaim of that show led to they had made uh, the Sopranos pilot, um, and they had to wait until Oz came out and had to kind of see how it was received by the subscriber mm. audience of HBO. Right. And when they were like, oh, they like this and they want more, then they ordered the first season. So it was like they made the Sopranos pilot, and then they waited around for like over a year before anyone knew if it was going to actually become a show. Right. Um yeah. So that just and and yeah, a lot. I I felt that too, and I felt that um, I caught that vibe in this pilot of Lilyhammer in the production where they. It's so funny. Like I almost feel like they weren't even trying to be super real until they got to Norway. Yeah. And and, and I in that transition. Yeah. From the city, the bridge to the coming out of the tunnel on the train. Right. Was just awesome, and it was really like. They were like, here's this cartoonish world yeah. of New York and da 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 and Frank Sinatra music and then like and and this mobster character guy who's a total archetype and then boom, here he is in the witness protection program in Europe. It's just like it, something really shifted there, and that was that's a credit to um, a lot of European filmmaking. Like when you watch European films or television about you know, real subjects, it gets like the reality really sinks in. It get they, they do a wonderful job of just sort of Definitely. planting you in these really real situations. And um, that's why people really marvel and hold up, you know, actors and filmmakers from Europe because of, because of this trait. And I, and I found it really fascinating to see it was just such a wonderful turn for this entire series and for Stephen Van Sands too to kind of just then be that character in this other situation in this foreign land. Yeah. And uh, and it was a and it's a black comedy. You know, it's 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 a it is um it is a comedy. It is not the Sopranos, <laughs> right? It <It's>, is, <laughs> no, it is yeah. absolutely a comedy and yeah, you really uh do hit on some, you know, key, key elements that are immediately apparent with, you know, that transition from the opening scenes to, yeah, it's amazing. You could, he could almost still be in New York when he's in the car, in the back of the car. Um, yeah. And they're giving him his sort of papers and identity. Right. And then, yeah, the train, you know, comes through and he's sitting there with these like yeah, old school yeah. looking headphones. Yeah, I would say however long that sequence was, let's say it's like 15 minutes. That first part yeah. of the pilot when he's in New York is really absurd comedy. Yeah. Like the whole scene where he goes to the FBI and makes the deal and the <laughs> FBI guy has like the weird badge and like the, the, the headset in his ear. And it just looks kind of fake because it's like absurd. Yeah. It's, it's absurdist humor. And then it changes to absurd realism when they get to, um, Norway, which is, and it was such a cool transition just coming out of that tunnel. Yeah. And it was the symbolism of like, we're coming out of that, of this tunnel of absurdity into this world. And here we are. 
Yeah. And this pilot paints the picture of this world so clearly. And we understand, I think, very quickly as, you know, passionate viewers, uh, students of film and television, and as you were saying, people who have followed this development of narrative, the one-hour narrative, we immediately understand what's going on. You've taken this caricature of a character, right? And you put him in this incredibly real situation in life and this what seems to him you know like a real city but is of course a tiny norwegian village for all intents and purposes right yeah and that is the comedy and that is what's interesting and so yeah it's this realistic black comedy that's just almost situational and they yeah, were, and original. Like yeah. I don't know of another any other real comp for this. Like you can't call it like a spinoff of The Sopranos. Like no. just to just to take an archetype of a character that the same actor played. Yeah, right. And and put him in this completely different subgenre. Yeah. In reality, is it was it's really really fascinating. Ultimately, like I found, I was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Because then he. Sh- you know, some shows up and his the the little moments of like disgust about the place that he has to stay, and the disgust of the frustration of the electric car when he was like when he opened it up, and I didn't even even quite like put two and two together for that, and he was like fucking amateurs, like it's like you're amateurs because they have electric cars, like. <laughs> Because it's not a Cadillac, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. so funny. No, it's amazing, and they. <laughs> They do so much in the first 15 minutes or so through that, like him getting to Norway and uh, starting to absorb the reality. They do so much to set up and then put him in this most absurd situation that they set this like clear sense of like who he is, his character, his style, the way he rolls, his place in the mafia, his reputation. Like they set it all up and then yeah. they drop him into Norway and they just absolutely destroy it all. They put him in the most absurd outfit in this yeah. teeny Norwegian yeah. home. And then the car <laughs> is just the kicker. And I think he literally, well, just, he says, yeah, what every, the fuck is this? Yeah. Everything about that sequence of him getting dropped off at his new place to like all the way through the next day is so great because he's just like him dealing with everything. Like the next morning, just dealing with how cold it is. Yeah. Like he's like, <laughs> it was so funny and fine. He just finds like a random wintry looking Sweater, you know, Nordic sweater. He's got oh, the sweater is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes out and he's got the sweater and you know, scarf and jacket and moon boots, right? He's got those giant yeah. moon boots. But then the awesome. hat is like <laughs> I heart New York, and then like I think some Norwegian, some Norsk. <laughs> yeah. It's just the picture of him now in Norway itself is just so yeah. funny. And yeah, and, and it becomes le- and he's becoming less of a caricature, right? So they're giving him these devices that are of his persona, of his mafia persona. Like when he he takes off the vest to reveal the the money that he <laughs> smuggled into the country, right? Like all the stacks of cash, and right. he fills up the 
the pizza pizza box. <laughs> pizza box and puts it back in the freezer. Um, there's just like these little things. It's like, oh yeah, of course he's like a mob guy. Like right. he's not going to just roll to some. He he was expecting this. This is his reti- where he's retiring to. This is where he's going to like just be. So like every every aspect um, of him operating of, from that world, right? But in a different world was a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So here he is and. He's in Norway, and we don't quite get explained exactly what's going on, but we pretty quickly figure out he's he's been put into some sort of uh, work assistance, immigration assistance, work assistance program, and uh, yeah, yeah, and this becomes uh, sort There's of social springboard. services, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and it's so it's NAV or NAV, whatever that stands for. Um, and that's sort of it's interesting because, you know, we think of different government agencies and especially social services, unemployment, stuff like that. But this seems to like really be kind of uh depended upon and central in the community there. Like everyone knows about this and um so it becomes the hub for him initially and becomes yeah. the hub kind of of all things uh, in this episode. Interestingly enough, even when we think we get away from it, it seems to yeah. come back to uh, the people he's met, the relationships. The, um, so the guy that's, you know, the head of or runs that office um, you know, they have this funny misunderstanding, right? Where he tries to bribe him because he wants to open, oh, scene was open a bar. Yeah. And uh, just the first of, of many funny scenes where, yeah, this cultural differences. <laughs> yeah, he said, I'm going to chalk that up to cultural differences and we'll do a clear slate. Or what did he, what clean did he say? Clean sheets. Clean sheets. Clean sheets. Clean sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, clean sheets, okay? He's like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, which is so great. It's it's one of those, like, these are so real, but it's hard to fabricate these uh, yeah. mistranslated or misappropriated colloquialisms or expressions. And uh, clean yeah. sheets is just hilarious. Yeah, I got to say, this this show, it's it's one of these shows that's just like you might not be ready for or thought you were ready for. But it's just waiting for you when you are ready to watch it. Because yeah. it's like, it's so good. And it's <laughs> like right there. And it's just such a ride. It's so much fun. It's so um, much and fun. All the, yeah. Yeah. And even just this pilot itself, um, we get all, like, we get everything we want. We get all the facets of a fun, comedic, but real uh, show, including we've got a lot of intrigue. <laughs> yeah. A lot of humor and even some spark of romance. Oh yeah. So um, yeah. What did you think about uh the, the mysterious uh, blonde hair? I mean, I think sh- I think she's sweet. I you know, so they um a lot of stuff from the train, his initial scene in Norway, um, a lot of things from that scene kind of come back in this pilot so that yeah. Um, it also kind of, it, it felt real. It felt like this is a really small town 
So it's like the people yeah. that he was on the train with there. It's like they're in the in the pilot, and they're like yeah. part of part of this town. And he runs into him again. <laughs> um, but I loved the um, this notion that he came from this world where he was being, you know, the danger was people were coming to kill him with guns right. and shoot him. And he comes to this town. The biggest danger there is like a wolf in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, um, so they in on the train. He's. It's also a wonderful device. He's listening to um, language learning <laughs> tape um, or something on his headphones, and uh-huh. and this woman and her son are sitting across from him. And you know, there's some guys acting up, young punks. Oh yeah. And there was a, there was a wonderful little mafioso-esque scene where he um, forces the the young brat to apologize to the man who took his hat, give his hat back, apologize to him. And that, um, of course, comes back later in a big way. Yeah. But, um, you know, we had a first glimpse of this, of this woman who eventually becomes an interest to him because he runs, um, as he's driving his car, he finds a sheep <laughs> on the road. And Stray the, sheep. Which... Again, it's like here, <laughs> could we have gotten any farther away for this character who just was dodging bullets and like, you know, having an intense like meeting it over a dead died, body yeah. at a funeral, his boss died and he's, you know, he's negotiating with mobsters and now he's like negotiating with a sheep in the middle of the road <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Come back here. And then um, he winds up returning the sheep. Um, to none other than the woman and her son was very upset about the sheep and the cool again. Um, so he loses his dog at the beginning. Right. There's something about animals mm. re- replacing or creating these, uh, a vendetta mm. for this character. Right. It is inherently super funny. It, yeah. It's like, it's a part of the absurdity of this show. And so here's this character. His dog was killed at the beginning. He's coming. He saves this sheep. He kind of has a, a real real introduction to um, this young mother, learns that she doesn't, the father's not in the picture. Oh, no. He's sort of like, maybe we'll grab, you know, small town, we'll grab a cup of coffee, you know. And, and, um, and eventually, and we're kind of jumping around now, but eventually the wolf gets this sheep and it's the same stakes for him as if like his like brother or associate was was killed by a rival family back in New York <laughs> in the mob. It was yeah. the the him standing over that like dead sheep and just like going there was oh, just yeah. like amazing. And yeah, no one. He was going to get vengeance, and no one was going to stop him. It wasn't going to happen. Right, and I think we even left out what his nickname is and therefore what he actually did within this powerful mafia family. Frank the Fixer. The Fixer, and uh, for anyone who is wondering or not 100% sure what that means, that means killing the people that killed the people. That means just the dirtiest most like cold-hearted killer <laughs> job like that is what a fixer does <laughs> in that yeah. context and so yeah you see him channel that towards yeah. this wolf and I know, it's so great it's so great and then he's on a mission <laughs> yeah and th- this pilot again you know was really well done and they set up yeah. so much stuff so he goes back to the 
social service uh, place for this initial seminar right. where we have a few of <laughs> some colorful characters from the town. Yes. Um, some known local people, local color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and this guy, this, this, uh, I don't know what we call him. The, uh, social service officer, whoever that manager is. Yeah. Joe is leading the, yeah, he, he's, a, He's a pain. He he is he is a thorn in his side, mm. and uh, yeah, and doesn't and is a, is a prick. Like he didn't even do anything wrong. You know, he brought him up for that stupid thing with the man with the puppet. Yeah, and he just was funnier than him totally. to everyone in the class, and he got all pissed off, and so he was going to make him take a six week, six month rather course every day uh, for immigrants. I mean, just <laughs> crazy, and um, so. He's invited, and this is what's awesome. He gets invited by uh, some of the people in the group. So a few of these characters, again, small town, right? They keep coming back. So it was the guy who drove the shuttle or drove the cab. Right. Him to his new house, his buddies with one of the guys in his class who's wearing a neck brace. There's some like <laughs> scamming of disability <laughs> going on there. Where yeah. He takes the neck brace off in the bar. That was kind of a funny sequence. Yeah. But they invite him out to the bar. And at the bar, a lot of stuff happens. Um, his lady interest shows up. And also the bartender, he has a wonderful exchange where the bartender's mm. like, he's like, hey, nice place. He's like, you want it? I'll sell it to you. I mean, it's just like all this stuff really unfolding and in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a very fun way to sort of get to get this character off the ground in this town. Yeah, everything's um, opening up and he... Between, you know, that train ride, right, and then the nav meeting in class, that's, like, that's pretty much it. Like, we pretty much met, you know, most of the, the players. And then, of course, his neighbor, the chief of police. Oh, just happens to be, yeah, his neighbor just happens to be the chief of police. Uh, are you in the postal service? That was great, because you can't see her police. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, they've painted this picture of like this being such a small town, right? And um, yeah, and so over a couple little scenes in in you know, just a couple locations, we're really meeting all these initial characters and players, and so much is pushed forward in a way that we just really, I think, understand how quickly he's going to become part of this town. Like it's so. All the doors are opening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, they go on a mission to hunt that wolf, right? He gets that. Yeah. Gets on. A, so, so, yeah. yeah. So, but early on, we meet, we meet his neighbor who is, who is the chief of police. And it was a funny sequence. And it was, it was a cool, I like, I like her in this show um, as a device. And it was a, a fun little Cohen brother Fargo-esque sort of vibe where you have this really unassuming woman who's like, the law enforcement, right? <laughs> She's sitting next to him and she dropped her sheep head, which she was going to eat. And he, of course, saw as like some kind of mafioso omen and, and he's like brought it up and she has no idea what he's talking about. And it's just getting her sheep head back. And she's, Look, oh, I dropped it. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to eat this. <laughs> um, but she, yeah, she makes an appearance to sort of say, he's like, okay, so we're going to kill this wolf. Yeah. And then he learns that it's actually killing a wild animal is a really big deal there. Yeah. And you can go to jail, you yeah. know, and, and the police take it very seriously. She shows up 
to warn everybody not to do this, to make it very clear, like, you can't, you know, go. She takes a gun away. One of the guys hunting, the old man's hunting gun away, right? right? Yeah. And, uh, and that's when we get another one of these cool sort of mafioso moments, archetype moments where he goes back and he and takes the urn from the dog and he says, sorry, Lily, and he smashes it because he has a gun there. So he <laughs> smuggled. Of course, of course. It's one of these, it's these like, oh, of course he did that moments right. of this pilot. It's like, of course he like had, with, had cash just strapped to his body when he went over. Yeah. Of course he, yeah, he smuggled a little gun to make, you know, this is a little who 22 he is. revolver with some bullets. He, yeah, yeah, this is who he is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, and it was really cool. And he set off with, <laughs> um, yeah, it turns the out, guys. right. There turns out these guys are brothers, actually, which is pretty funny because they're that like tall, skinny, and short, fat kind of brother duo. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the bus driver, um, uh, and the guy with the neck brace are actually brothers. They're infamous. Yeah, and they're and they're like brothers. the infamous brothers of the town that <laughs> yeah. are like if if you know they're known for getting into trouble and you know being the ones that are questioned when anything is you know yeah. someone some someone's been up to no good there. So he falls right in you know with his little crew is like these band this these yeah. brother misfit misfit brothers misfits. But it's funny because you you get the sense that they're mischievous. Yeah. But they're not bad people at all. And so yeah, and, they're not really the people he's used to running with, actually. That is an excellent point, right? So he himself is the darkest character and individual in this entire world. Oh now. my God. Yeah. Like, and he's operating on a certain level of, okay, it's like, we're going to kill this wolf. It's just like, this is what we have to do. And, the, you know, these guys are on board. You know, oh, there was that moment where they were like, ah, you know, I don't know if we really want to do this. Like, oh, so you guys are all talk, huh? He's like, you, you just talk big, talk, talk big, but really you're just chicken. And they're like, oh. Um, uh, yeah, so you he's, see them he's, like them bristle and they're like, oh, okay, they are. Yeah. They are down. And you really see his effect in this world and, and uh, his effect on these characters and these people of this town. He's really this character that's coming in and mixing things up and turning everything on its head and stirring up the mundane um, and sleepy, mm -hmm. cold, cold Norwegian town. Really. I mean, you know, I guess it's a city, but it feels like a village, you know, it feels yeah. so small from this. And one of the things I loved about this whole overnight hunting caper was Great sequence. Yeah. just how beautiful the landscape is. And that's what brought him there. And there's a couple amazing references uh, that he and others make to like, why are you going to run away to Norway? You know, like you go to, you know, he says at one point, I could have gone to the Bahamas, could have gone to Fort yeah. Lauderdale. <laughs> Uh, and it's actually during this sequence, but uh, he's got just that amazing, amazing line where uh, could have gone to Bahamas or Fort Lauderdale, but I have to choose the one place where you can freeze your dick off and it'll take three <laughs> days to realize yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, the beauty of the uh, country and countryside and wilderness and course they're they're hunting a wolf and no one really points this out but it's under a full moon oh nice i didn't notice that either i mean i i noticed that it was really pretty 
the parts of this sequence I really liked was that he's not skilled enough or experienced enough to be able to cross country <laughs> ski. So he yeah. has to use the snow boots, which was just a really funny comedic um, device where the two guys, the two experienced guys are on the, the cross country skis. And right. then he's kind of lagging, lagging behind yeah. complaining. I could be in the Bahamas. I could be this. He's got like walking on these snow boots. Yeah. And, um, and then the one guy had like a wolf tractor tracker, yeah. Which I didn't even know was like a thing. Right. Which, I don't know how that works unless the wolf yeah. has a ship. But anyhow, he had a wolf tracker. It seemed to work. Yeah. And and I guess if in a modern 2012, if you're out there and wolves are dangerous and people have kids. So yeah, I guess you'd want to know where the wolves were. Like, I can believe it. I don't need to Google that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to believe this show that those exist and that you can track wolves if you need to. Yeah. I've seen it in another <laughs> show. So. Must be true. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're tracking the wolf, and just really funny sequence there where the the brother, bumbling brother, shoots, you know, <laughs> just shoots the other brother and, who thinks it's far worse than it really is. And meanwhile, he 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 finds Johnny, finds uh, the wolf, yeah, and takes him out. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, it's hard to know what to call him always because, of course, you know, Frank is his actual name, right? But then he has to assume this new identity, Giovanni, and yeah. that doesn't, you know, that doesn't really work for him. So he says, call me Johnny, right? So yep. everyone there calls him Johnny or Giovanni Hendrickson, but uh, his actual name is Frank. And uh, so, yeah, when I was taking notes, I was like, do I? What do I write? Frank? Johnny? I don't really know. I guess we can call him anything. Yeah, that's funny because I lost Frank like when he when he just was like, call me Johnny, then he just became Johnny. Johnny, right? Like, for me, now for me Johnny, yeah. yeah. And that's what everyone uh, here is going to call him ostensibly because that's what uh, his name is in Norway. Giovanni yeah. Johnny. Yeah, but I really, I can't say enough about this overnight sequence, mm. you know, and they, when they go and they get this, they kill the big bad wolf. And, yeah. And drop and they, it in the pond. Yeah, they weight it down, style. and they yeah they do. They they sink sink them with the fishes with the ice fishes, and um, that was great. And then all of a sudden, there's like some guy in the woods. It's like how I was. I remember thinking to myself like, well, that like who's that guy? Like, why is there somebody out in the freezing cold? That was like might have been the one moment where I was just like, hey, wait a minute. But um, yeah, there was a witness to this. They almost get discovered, yeah. They almost get discovered, so they um, get away to the jerk social worker's cabin, right. which is nearby. Yeah, they happen upon a um, cabin. He shoots off the lock because they need a place to crash. And it yeah, that part was really <laughs> funny, and it was his, his um, impatience and... yeah. And just pain of being out in the cold for too long. Like he was like not going to wait for them to figure this out. So yeah. he just shot the lock. Wow. Found it. I found the key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and they're in there. And then that was also like, these are just a bunch of really funny uh, sequences in this, in this beautiful overnight scene where they wait, they wait down the, the wolf to sink it mafia style. Yeah. They hurry off to the cabin. He shoots the lock. They get inside, they're warming up, and he gets a sip of of whatever the guy had gave him, their tea or whatever it was. And he's like, he's like, oh, there's alcohol in that. 
well, that could become my new favorite thing. <laughs> that could become something that I like. I could get used to liking that. You know, like it was just this like, he's, I don't know, just that that just struck me in such a funny way that he's just like in the midst of all of this, yeah. like him being like, what am I doing here? Just being like, oh, make, you know, like that's a nice thing for me to enjoy while I'm here. <laughs> like he's like just happy to be in Lily, Lily Right. Yeah. And nothing that's, you know, been going on or transpired as remotely, you know, surprising or tiring. You know, he's like, this is what I do, right? Like, yeah, all night stalking, like, fucking making it work. This is what I do, you know? And so he's just, yeah, he's right in it. And, uh, and of course, yeah, they're in this cabin and they're looking for food and they find secret tin of photos. Lots yeah. of scandalous images. Yeah, and, and immediately you start to see the wheels turning in, in Johnny's <laughs> mind, and this is going to come in handy, and I'm going to get yeah. to use this to my advantage. And it was, um, that was, that was a funny sequence. Yeah, um, pretty great. And, of course, yeah, you see the wheels turning, and you know what's going to happen. Like, you know, oh, yeah. You know he will know exactly. How to play this? And yeah, was, brilliant. Yeah, and of course he does. And I think what's great about this character and how it plays out is you you essentially know what he's going to do and what's coming because they've made his character so clear in the opening. Mm. But yet he, in my experience, like. He's actually one step ahead of us, even us, the viewer who's clued into what's going on, because he's always like one, there's always something he's doing that's like not just the mobster, but also this like deeply personal, like actual caring human. Yeah, and like he gets, yeah. he gets the girl the job first, right? He blackmails him. And the first thing, it's not about him, it's about... I am going to take that class and you're going to hire her to be the teacher because she needs a job. Exactly. So he's like checking that off the list. And there is a sense of, um, and he taught, you know, you can actually go back to the beginning of the pilot when he was standing with his rival and he's talking about, he was like being honest with the guy. He's like, you're a, yeah. you're a bean counter. You're not about, you have no soul. You're not about this world. You're not about this life. Like, yeah. And it's just, um, this guy has something underneath him, these, this moral code, as flawed as it may be, yeah. right? Like, is, is very real. And, and that's why he had to uh, stand up for everybody in the train yeah. who couldn't. You know, he had to put that kid in his place and get him up to apologize to that guy. Yeah, he's not and, a bully. Uh, and yeah. he's, not, uh, he's not a mean, cruel person. He stands Which is, up for people. Yeah. He stands up for yeah. what he believes in. Which is interesting, you know, if you're to then draw a parallel to Stephen Van Sant's character on The Sopranos, like they were all monsters, right? They're all, sure. and you make a good point. And the big, the big, uh, big criticism of not only the, the, this type of genre or The Sopranos, or you can go all the way back to The Godfather, was this glorification of, the mobster, you right. know, and, and glorifying them, making them seem cool and fun and, you know, all of it. But, um, he, he, 
and it, you kind of have to draw from that character in The Sopranos in a sense because it is still the same actor and an artist, and he's drawing from this essence of himself. Like on The Sopranos, Tony Soprano was a monster, monster. and you'd watch him do these super evil, conflicted things. But Silvio was always kind of like the his was his like were, were like voice of reason, right? Or wisdom, you know, he kind of had that sort of thing going on. He wasn't an angel, obviously. Sure. But like, you know, he just had a different vibe. And so I think they've taken that, a bit of that for this character, but even more. In, and like you're talking about as an archetype or um, just just made it more of, of um, a complete character and made it more about what he's about, which is about being um, a stand-up guy. Yeah. And about what he believes in and about, you know, creating and protecting uh, his own little piece of whatever, right? He, yeah. he gets there and he immediately, uh, a lot's going on and the, you know, the nav guy tries to kind of push him around and um, yeah, there's, there's forces already that are kind of pushing, trying to push him around a little bit or he feels pushing around those around him. Yeah, but it's and, and it's not interesting that he then he doesn't turn to violence or or handle that in a way that is tough, you know what I mean? He waits until he has some cards to play. Exactly. And he has an advantage and he uses it and he's not which I thought interesting. Like he wasn't he wasn't going to deal with anyone in a really like super aggressive, violent way necessarily unless I think unless it's called for, probably. Yeah. And you have to think realistically to get, you know, as far as he had likely gotten in a crime family, you have to be smart. Like, you cannot be high emotion, intensity in the moment. You know, you can't react in certain situations, or at least you can't let your reactions get the better of you. So he shows that, that he is really cool and level-headed, and even in situations where he could probably flex and just destroy someone he doesn't, right? He, he waits, and in a way, this is his, I don't know if it's his second chance or whatever, but it is some essence of a second chance to this person, this, you know, Frank person, and he seems to really, like, want that in earnest. Like, he's still the same guy, yeah. but he's going to have a whole different life and he's going to be viewed differently in this place. Yeah, it is. It is his, I don't think there's another, <laughs> there's not a next chance for him after this chance. You know, I think he's like, I have to make this work and he's happy to be here. This was sort of, yeah. Um, you know, there's a film in Bruges uh, that's really fun. Another mm-hmm. Martin McDonough thing. And, yeah. and the, the, the evil mobster and that, um, Ralph Fiennes is in, you know, he loves, sends the guys to Bruges because he always loved it. You know, right. it's just like, it's that notion too. It's like these super, this super serious guy could love this, uh, you know, place, idyllic wintry place that yeah. he's never really been, been to. It's always just like a dream thing. So it's like these guys get into these lifestyles, you know, the like having to leave everything and just grab a bag. That's part of the that's part of the lifestyle, right? That's part of the yeah the option for them. That's that could happen in any moment, right? So you got to have that back packed. Yeah, so he's so this is his place that he's just like, yep, 
anything ever happens to me, I'm going to, you know, go to this place or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it's so much fun watching him in this world. And, and also when in watching him deal now with a more sp- suspicious chief of police, you know, when the guys <laughs> get back from killing the wolf, right? she's yeah. there and she's ready to bust them. She's got a witness. Mm. It's all ready to go. And he's like cool as a cucumber. The, the, you could tell like if he wasn't there, the boys would have just cracked and confessed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Been, been arrested or whatever. Um, but he was quick to just deny. And then her big witness comes out and <laughs> it's the guy from the train that he helped. Um, uh, and I'm really interested to ask you this question, Eli, because I was watching this. Yeah. And I started thinking about, okay, well, why? So this guy in the moment when he sees that it's Johnny, he changes his story to right. protect Johnny. Yeah. Right. So- is it because he, because Johnny protected him on the train and, and got the kid not only to give him his hat back, but to actually like apologize? Or was, or is he, is he also, or is he in that moment made him afraid of, of, of Johnny? Did he do it out of like some sense of like, I owe you this? Or did he do it because he was afraid? What do you think? Well, I think the way that they have positioned this old man's character, I think it has mm-hmm. to be both. Right. Because the old man is being pushed around. Yeah. And it's really clear. I felt it was really clear in that initial train sequence. We meet him and a lot of these characters that he was not like he was not able to stand up to these bullies. He was too old and frail, essentially, is what I got, right? Then when Johnny smacks the punk around, makes him apologize, what the old man has is respect now for Johnny, right? For doing that and getting him to heal, essentially, right? A little barking dog, getting him to heal. But if the old man is physically unable to stop those guys, right? Yeah. And then Johnny is somehow able to make him stop. There has to be some sort of fear in the old man for Johnny as well. Maybe it's that that. fear of respect, someone you respect, but you still fear. But there has to be a little element of both. But I think it's more loyalty yeah for having helped him yeah i think yeah i think that meant a lot to him on the train yeah and he and he couldn't turn him in he couldn't get him in trouble in that moment and i guess i bring up the fear part because then there was just a little extra moment at the end before he got in the car and johnny gave they had their kind of personal aside when yeah. the, the police went in the car and then johnny kind of gave him like a head nod yeah and, maybe a wink and the guy said yeah and he's just like yeah i'm i did that because i respect you but also because i don't i don't want you on my bad side <laughs> i think like that's where the fear comes in right like he's like he's like okay this guy's involved with this no i'm i'm out like i've seen what he can do and i don't want to not be yeah cross him in any way right? no yeah. i want to stay aligned <laughs> with this guy and it's yeah. like right in, you know, the face of the chief of police. So 
It oh, shows yeah. you like the power balance there and who people trust and just a very different dynamic than I think we're used to in the US. And yeah, that's a really pivotal scene and moment too because that really sets the stage now for like the sides almost, right? Yeah. And Johnny yeah. or Frank, Frank Johnny, Johnny Frank, he is like already becoming the new like town fucking hero. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. He's a man of the people. And I love the way that this, uh, you know, ends as far as, you know, his, his story where he buys the bar, but because of, you know, laws probably, he has to have someone local own it. So he asks, right. Tour I, I think that also, I think that's also a mob thing. Like you need a straight man on the lease, sure. like someone with a clean background and sure. like that won't get messed with. And, and he's the silent partner, right? So yeah. he's just going to do all his business out of there. But of course that's he, what, uh, yeah, he I am a, look at me, look at me. I am a bar owner. Oh yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> that scene is just amazing. Tour gear is so fucking excited and dancing around. Look at what me, is, look at me. <laughs> what is the char- character's name again? It's Torgir. It's wow. You see it like you see it at one point because of the Norwegian uh, subtitles when they're speaking oh, Norse, right, but right. it's it's T O R G E I R Torgir. I mean, the names are uh, Norwegian largely. the The woman's name is Sigrid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then no, yeah, they're Torgir. beautiful. They're beautiful names. They just they're hard to. I'm sure in the third episode I'll have them all, but I was for the pilot. I was just like, I was like, okay, that's a name that is going to be hard to remember. Okay, moving uh, on. Yeah, and um, I love, I love just yeah. He's so excited. He's dancing around. Look at me, and you just know that this is your new odd couple. Like that, uh, this guy is going to be you know in intimately involved in all of Johnny's dealings and capers and. And just the two of them together, uh, just hilarious in every yeah, it was, way. It was so funny. And it's like you saw this guy, you know, you met him. He's in the neck brace. He's kind of playing up his <laughs> injury. And then he's drinking. And then there's this issue with the wolf. And he's out. And he shoots his brother. But at the very end of the pilot, it's this moment of pure glee. Yeah. When this this immigrant from America just like totally just changes his life, he's like, "I'm a bar owner now." Like, what? Like, yeah. And he's just like, "All right, Mister Johnny." <laughs> like, it's just that it's amazing. That, um, Norwegian people being excited and speaking in English. I don't know if that can't not be funny. <laughs> it's it's very funny. It's very <laughs> funny. <that>. It's very <laughs> yeah. funny, and you have to think that. You know, as you were saying um, at the top, this is created, um, and as far as we understand, probably conceived by people in Europe, in Norway, in Scandinavia, and I can just see them imagining uh, this, and then it just, once, you know, Steve Van Zandt gets on board and they start writing, like, it just sales like i can imagine that someone yeah. you know just having this idea like wouldn't it be funny to put an american mobster in lillehammer yeah. right so, so it's yeah it's created by two norwegians yeah and then he's a writer so more than likely 
they had the pitch. Yeah. They got him. You know what I mean? Like totally. he went, came on board and then they yeah. wrote the pilot and like Yeah, I love just so, I love just picturing that and um that it truly comes from Norwegians. Oh yeah. That just and makes it, it all it, the funnier and more real. Yeah. And I've and I've recently been into these European um even New Zealand works that have these female police officer leads and maybe there'll be a show down the road that mm. I suggest, but um, I like, I like this here that there's this female chief of police in, but she's not of a world that I've seen before. It's not a British constable. It's not, you know, she's, she's in, this is Norway. It's right. But it, it, you get that Fargo vibe, right? Because she's got all bundled up and like it's that same kind of, hey, how totally. are you? Like it's that same like poppy thing. And like <clears throat> that is just an incredible juxtaposition to the main character here, you know, and, and Johnny or Frank. And, it really is. Um, it's really yeah. fun. Yeah. And we close this amazing pilot with a little more glimpse into her and. Yeah, she's she's digging in. She's, she's digging, digging in. in. She's him. paying attention. She knows something fishy's going on, and she's trying to run a background check. And while it's not explicit, nothing is explicit really, other than that she's trying to run a background check. You get the sense from uh, her conversation that she hits a wall. Yeah, when she says that, that she's name. yeah, she's like processing what. Oh, oh okay. Oh, mm. like yeah, she's processing something. So. Yeah. It's just going to be her and her, you know, sniffing around him and exact dealing dealing with him in this story. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I thought this this pilot set up just so many storylines that I'm excited to excited to explore. Yeah. Um and I it was hard not to watch the second episode. Like I was right. I would I would I would have just kept watching. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because uh I guess somewhat similar to Dairy Girls, um, we get a contained caper, actually really several, mm -hmm. but the main one, you know, the hunting of the wolf. Mm -hmm. And we also get a lot of opening of stories that are clearly going to be ongoing. And so yeah. while this is a much more realistic, uh, longer show, there are actually a lot more similarities than I really thought of when I, you know, thought the show would be great on the heels of Dairy Girls. Um, so, of course, both shot in Europe, both comedic. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, there is a sense of, like, we've just tasted this new land and situation and uh, funny, funny setup, but yet we also have some uh, episodic elements that, are kind of you know brought in uh these capers uh he gets the bar there's a lot that's uh kind of opened at the beginning and then brought back in and closed or at least spoken to and so it's really satisfying both uh from a pilot mm -hmm. perspective uh, but also from like just a great episode uh both yeah i can draw yeah. some parallels between our last show we did dairy girls and this one in the, in the pilot of dairy girls she had the journal was kind of like the running theme in this one the dog his dog dying at the beginning and then holding the holding the gun and then 
the animals themselves, the sheep, the wolf, the drawing you into this, this more moving you from an urban environment into this world that was obvious, obviously more about nature and about the majestic, you know, majestic yeah. landscape. And, um, but yeah, this archetype, this character <laughs> in such a random place, I am on board. I can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah. Well, we will do just that as we dive into episodes two and three. And we're going to come back and talk about those next time. Absolutely. Be sure to watch episode two and three of Net- Netflix's very first original, Lilyhammer. Oh, gee. And meet back up with us here on the next episode of Shows with Friends, and we will talk about it. So thanks for listening, y'all. And we'll be back again next time. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts. And there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.